Next Chapter Podcast. Welcome back to another session of Thick Skin with Jock and Hawk. I'm Jock Jones. And I'm Latroy Hawkins. This show is called Thick Skin because you have to have thick skin to be in the spotlight. Whether you're a professional athlete like me and Hawk, who played in the bigs, or you're an entertainer, the media will come after you. So you better be ready. We're here to tell it like it is, correcting the media when they get it wrong, and dive deep into the world of sports, all sports, and entertainment from an athlete's perspective. We got a great show ahead for you today. Make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, hockey, let's dive right into it. What do we got? What we got? I would like to start off. Let's talk about the New Orleans Saints. Yeah. What they did to the Dirty Birds. Yep. I'm yep. not a football guy, but my understanding is when you go into the victory formation, which is where you hike the ball, both sides have conceded that the score is going to stay the same. You're not trying to score. I don't care if you're on the two-inch yard line. And you hike the ball to the quarterback, and you kind of take one step back because I always see that the – they, they get a negative yard for that. So they take a step back and they knee the ball. Well, this past Sunday, Mr. Winston and his offensive line decided they wanted to get their running back a touchdown for the year. He had 17, I guess he led the league in touchdowns last year and ha- didn't have one this year. And they faked like they were going to do the victory formation and handed the ball off and he scored a touchdown. What do you got on that, Double J? The only thing, I, well, two things I, I don't like about that play is is lining up in the V formation uh, and then running the play. And then the other thing that I really didn't like about that play is, uh, like I told you before, having 16 weeks to get uh, your teammate a touchdown and he didn't get it. And then all of a sudden you want to get it in the last uh, uh play of the season or the last couple plays of the season. Like I, that, that didn't sit well with me. Right. So, um, I, I didn't like, I mean, the, the, his heart was in the right place. He, he wanted to do something nice for his teammate, but like you had 16 weeks and I'm sure there were some mop up, uh, situations in the course of the season that would have allowed him to get a touchdown. So I, I wasn't really on that, um, idea. What do you have on him? disobeying a direct order <laughs> and i'm sure it's it's not that harsh of a what I, the way i said it is a harsh way to put it right but now the, the the head coach of the team yeah it's a hierarchy when you, yeah right when you don't win everything lands on his plate right and when they do win it's kind of it's like the quarterback when they do win he gives all the credit to everybody else right and i think for me it shows a lack of respect for the guy right. who sits in the big office. And like, again, like you said, his heart was in a, in a great place. And I'm listening to so many guys talk about it, and NFL guys all over. Yeah, I've been seeing it. You know, had RG3 was talking about it. Shannon Sharp said that he needed to be cut. Yeah. I'll cut him this, this morning. Yeah. Wouldn't go that far. No. But he would have to come in the principal's office, and we got to have a serious conversation. Absolutely. And and a lot of the people in the New Orleans, within the New Orleans fan base, they didn't see anything wrong with it. They were more upset the way Atlanta's coach 
approach New Orleans coach. They're more upset about that. Well, he wouldn't have did that to Sean Payton and this and that. And like <laughs> he would have did to anybody, I believe. I think he would have did it to anybody. And I said, only reason that um, New Orleans coach played it the way he did because he didn't know. He knew it was wrong. Right. And he did not know that he was overridden by uh, Winston, right? He was just as shocked probably as the Falcons coach was that it happened. But at the same time, he's still a man where he's like, hey, <laughs> like, I don't appreciate the way you're coming at me, knowing that, you know, you not knowing that I didn't know what was going on, but still, you know? And like you said, there's there's ex-teammates that came to Jameis Winston's uh, defense. There's te- there's current teammates that came to his defense. But still, man, like you said, if, you, if you're going to do that, line it up, let the other team know what's going on, you know, let them know what's coming and do your thing. And then you wouldn't have that situation. And I always said, nobody said he wasn't a good dude. Like, I'm, I'm right. fine with him being a good dude, right. but you could be a good dude and make a bad decision. Right. <clears throat> and my thing is, like, also with the situation, apologize. Like you said, some people don't need to apologize, but for that, I think the least you say, I'm sorry, I made a bad judgment, turn the page right then. That, you don't have to say anything else. Right. You don't have to go back and forth with the media. Right. Now we're on the media side. Thick skin show is on the media side. Right. You don't have to go back and forth and make a joke and add to your post-career highlight reel that's, that'll be viral. Right. You don't have to do that. I just thought it was in bad taste, and I would have been upset. But after a great week of NFL football this past weekend, we'll move on to our boy Draymond Green. Uh, as, we know, as you know, he's been suspended indefinitely, and... Mr. Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, decided to let him back after missing 12 games. And he went on his podcast, the Draymond Green show. And I don't know, would you call it, Jockey issued an apology or he wanted to ramble a little bit and try to make, you know, make it seem like he made some changes. What do you have on it? Um, I, I think it was... It was kind of an apology. It was a acknowledgement of, you know, some wrongdoings. It was acknowledgement of some some things that his peers said, namely Kevin Durant. I know that that was one that kind of uh, caught him off guard, and he kind of addressed. He not kind of he did address that, and he he took the he took the the phrase "getting some help" wrong. Um, and he thought about it after a while, just getting what I was getting from his podcast. He thought about it for a while, and it wasn't necessarily a negative thing. It was just uh, uh, he figured that they were coming from a point of, of concern, right? But my, my thing on this whole Draymond Green situation is, like, you sock a teammate, you choke out another uh, NBA player, and then you backhand another NBA player, right? And but you're sorry, only sorry about the last one that you got suspended indefinitely for. So I, you know, I I, I acknowledged a lot of the stuff that he said, but I wasn't really on the whole, you know, uh, apology well, thing. When he his last incident after the game, he came out and talked about it, and he said, "You know me." If I do it intentionally, I'm not apologizing. He said, I'm apologizing to this guy because this was intentional. 
Um, man, let's get to it. Draymond from Saginaw, Michigan, man. He they, they different from over there. They're a little different. And I'm a firm believer that every team needs a Dennis Rodman. Now, he has a little bit more talent than Dennis Rodman, but every team needs a guy who's going to do the dirty work that you're, so your superstars don't have to do it. Does he go overboard sometimes? Sure he does. Did he punch a teammate? He sure did punch Poole in the mouth. Why Poole didn't punch him back in the freaking mouth? I don't know, bro. I don't I don't, I don't understand. Like, everybody talk about, oh, there's so many tough guys in the league, but I don't see anybody stepping to Draymond. I saw they show that one clip of him and Ron Artest, you know, face-to-face. But who else? Like, I, I don't get it. Like, uh, I, Well, you can you can ask this, the same question. Do you see him approaching certain people like that in the NBA that he, that he chooses to, to approach other people with? I don't think he has a problem. I, I don't think you have a Yeah, but there's been skirmishes, other skirmishes, and he ain't went after, you know. I, well, you ain't going to win them all, Nash. Well, <laughs> that's what I, them all. well, that's what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> but he ain't afraid. That had nothing to do with being afraid, my brother. You don't have to be what afraid. Hey, Earl Spence wasn't afraid and Terrence Crawford whooped his ass. <laughs> yeah, you ain't got You don't have to be. It ain't not about being afraid. <laughs> we're talking about pros and we're talking about just, basketball I, I get it but I'm talking about people who fight for a living yeah it's not about being afraid bro it's just you know what I'm saying so you know I mean look like you said every team needs an enforcer they, like the, the NBA was rampant with enforcers back in the day bro until they oh, yeah. until they start changing the rules up I, all I'm saying is this right Draymond Green be who you are but at the same time, also know that you, you're affecting the whole team when you do stuff like this and they take you away from the team or you're away from the team for however long, you know, they decide to suspend them. That's all I'm saying. Well, we can go a little deeper. We can go a little deeper and we talk about he's who he's always been. Yes. When they were winning, the media was okay with it. But now that they're not as good as they were in the past when they were winning championships, yeah. now it's a problem. Yeah. Now it's a problem. So, again, the old saying is what? Winning cures everything. Right. Winning makes dysfunctional shit look okay. I totally agree. But like you said, winning, when he was not playing, they were not winning. <laughs> they were winning when he was playing. Well, see, they had a better <laughs> chance to win when he's playing. That's debatable. But <laughs> that's debatable. And I'm just talking shit right now because I, I don't watch the both, I don't you, you, you and me both. You and me both. But it's it's um just the whole thing. Like he talked about his champion of change in his in his podcast last night. And accept there is a place for growth. He got to accept it. He said he accepted it. And you know, I found that he was talking about I was at home for two days in my man cave and nobody knew I was home but my wife. And my daughter called me on the on my Three-year-old or four-year-old called me on FaceTime. Daddy, you're in the man cave. And then she hung up the phone and ran the man cave. man cave, yep. 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 And he, he had to explain to his daughters why he was at home and why his team was playing. And, yeah, I, I get it. I understand it, you know? I thought it was just – it, it was just one of those things. But I have an issue with uh, Stephen A. Uh, asking the question about Stefan 
why Stefan Stefan hadn't been held accountable for another man's action. Yeah, that was that was crazy. Because every time somebody on LeBron's team, we we hold LeBron at a higher standard. Don't say we, because I ain't French. <laughs> I ain't French. Don't say we. Say you, not me. I don't hold LeBron to a higher because a grown man decided to do something else. I, I refuse I, to do it. And you can't control what another man does either. Nope, not at all. And you can be a good good leader. And your your eyes and what you see as a good leader don't have squatly shit to do what goes on in NBA clubhouse or NFL clubhouse or Major League Baseball clubhouse. Nope. So, again, for me, I thought he was just saying, throwing stuff out there, trying to make headlines. And he don't need to do that because he's really good at his damn job. He he's is, really good. He's, he's really good. Yeah, he's good at his job. And he was on TV today talking about he ain't running from no smoke. Anybody can call me, but you better call me with context and this and that and don't misquote me. And I, I like when he go off like that. I really, I like when he go off like that because he started looking like a prima donna. Sounding in the truth but, like my man Cat Williams. <laughs> hey, and he earned, he earned that right. That's what I'm saying. So what's the importance of having support of your peers, your organization, during stressful situations like I, the stress that Draymond brought upon himself? I think it's huge, bro. I think it's huge because that shows, look, you can you can fool the front office, you can fool the fans, but you cannot fool your teammates, right? You cannot fool your teammates. So no matter what it looks like to the public, his teammates see him every day. They're in, they're in the, they're in the grind with him. They're in the foxhole with him. So they see who he is, how he reacts to different situations, what he means to the team, you know, uh, you know, how he is with his teammates. So to have those guys stick, and when you go through stuff like that, right, you start side-eyeing everybody. You look at everybody and see how, who, who's, who, how's he treat me? Uh, he's not looking at me. Oh, he's not talking to me the same, right? You, you, whatever you see in your mind is what you see. So when guys come to your defense, a la Jameis Winston, who we just talked about, and Draymond Green, when guys come to your defense and don't turn their back on you and don't shy away from the situation, that says a lot about how they feel about you and who you are as a person. Yeah, so I know you've had, you've had a lot of experience with this. And yep. why do you think – I know in Draymond's – in his podcast he said he's been going to therapy. Yeah. But why do you think as African-American men, we, specifically we, have this stigma about going to talk to somebody, telling somebody our business, and not understanding that it's it's um, something that can definitely help you unlock some of your traumas, your childhood traumas, your adult traumas, and hope and help you, you know, just work through that. So why do you think we're 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 always the last one to the party? Well, let me start by saying I'm not French, but I'm gonna use the word we. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we as black men are, are seen as strong. We're seen as superhuman. We're seen as tough, right? We're we're not <clears throat> when we show emotions, it's it's viewed as something totally different than you know, the next person. So to tell someone that you're going to therapy or feeling like you need therapy sometimes make you makes you feel inferior when in fact that makes you strong or stronger than you are. Because seeking help, seeking another opinion, seeking uh, clarity, seeking, you know, uh, uh, strength and, and letting people know, hey, man, I, 
I'm strong, but I still need a support system or a support group. Like to me, that that elevates a person in my eyes because, like you said, hey man, I've been I've been in therapy for 19 years already, and I I do it every Tuesday uh, morning, and I'm not ashamed to tell people that I go to therapy every Tuesday morning, and it's helped me out immensely because I have somebody that knows me and we've we've gotten to know each other and like. I can tell her almost anything and she's right there with me. And she was with me when I was going through my situation. She, she showed up to court four days in a row, bro. She, she cleared her schedule and showed up for me four days in a row. You know what I'm saying? So like, wow. I, I, I'm an advocate for black men going to therapy. So for me, like <clears throat> I've tried it a, a, a two, three different occasions mm-hmm. and I hadn't got to the point, I don't think, where I can see it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know they say that you have to be completely transparent, you know, when you're in there, if you, unless you're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah. And the older I get, the more I wish, the more I want, because I'm going to do it again, yeah. the more I want yeah. to sit and talk to somebody that's not judging me yeah. for my thoughts, my actions, my past. Mm-hmm what I want in the future. So I think for, you know, just for we and us as African-American males, we carry so much stress by ourselves. Absolutely. We, we carry the, we carry the load of everyone in the household, yep. everyone in the family yep. on our backs. Yep. And like you said, we walk around like we're like, like we're the strongest people in the world. But deep down inside, that's that little boy in you yep. that's screaming for help mm-hmm. that you won't allow to have a voice because of you're worried you're worried about the way your external val- validation is going to look at you. External validation, yeah, how you perceive you you worry about the way you perceive, right? Bottom and line, here on our <laughs> thick skin podcast, yeah. we're going to advocate for more not just African-American males, males, period. Yep. Pulling down your armor, taking that off the shield and go talk to somebody. Yeah. Go talk to somebody. Have an honest conversation with yourself first and try to understand what you want to get out of, you know, talking to someone. And, you know, most parts of my life, when I start something, I'm going to finish it. Yeah. And... That's one of the things that I feel I've I've not. That's one of those things that I have not finished in my life, and that's, you know, starting some starting therapy and finishing therapy. And yeah, I'm going to work, but I just, I, I um, I'll just ask our the listeners, if you're a male, African American male, and women too, but we're talking specifically about African American males and males in general. Yep. That find you a, a therapist that you can talk to. And Find your therapy. We have so many traumas that we 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 suppress. So that's the key, buddy, that you said. One was a key thing was see it through, right? You're going to have to see this thing through. You're going to have to see a few things through, right? But um, finding somebody that you trust is, is huge. So maybe you got to interview a couple people. I don't know. But I, I stumbled across this lady, uh, um, in San Diego, and it was just she was just a godsend for me, bro, because I was going through 
so many different things at one time. And so she was patient with me. I was patient with her. And here we are 10 minutes, uh, 10 minutes, 10 years later. And it's, uh, it's just the best thing that I could have done. So best thing. Done? Yeah, it was one of the best things I could have done. So like, I, like you said, I, I'm with you, buddy. And I advocate for African-American men and men in general to, it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to talk about that. It's okay to let other people know because by you being strong enough to let everybody else know, you might convince somebody else to, to take a chance at it and try it. And I think now, this day and age where we are, it is definitely more acceptable in our community, in our culture, wherever, because of we know mental health is so important. It's like, I mean, we finally understood that, no, he's not crazy. No, he's having a mental health crisis. You know, that was the thing back in the day, man. He crazy, he crazy, they crazy, they crazy. Like, come on, man. Now we know, like, it's real, man. And I think there's one thing I would, I would tip my hat and give all the kudos to a lot of the entertainers, actors, actresses, whatever you do to entertain, the athletes. You know, I, you know, I like Kevin Love when he was in, in Minnesota and then when he went to Cleveland and he had to come out and talk about his mental health issues. And, you know, that's courage because you could be, a guy that's working a nine to five job and you having the same issues and you don't have to deal with, you know, every fan in that, that fan base. So you don't have to worry about that. Right. But he has to worry about every fan in his fan base. Who's probably going to rally around him, but he also has to worry about going on the road to 31 other cities. And that fan base is probably going to use his, his strength. It's okay. Against him. It's okay. Thick skin. Okay. That's a thick skin moment right there. That's our thick skin moment. So I always, you know, once he went to Cleveland and he talked about his mental health issues, I had to tip my hat to him. And I was like, I started to really, really dig in and understand what he was going through. And you know what? I applaud the man for doing, for being courageous because he didn't have to be. He didn't have to be. And just because you're on TV, running and dunking a baseball or hitting home runs or striking out the side or, you know, throwing dimes on a base, on a football field. Yep. You know, you have issues, but we're going to move on to, we got two minor league pitchers, man. Mm. Tested positive. Mm. Damn, Jock, I've been done eight years. How long have you been done? Mm. Uh, 11 or 12. And people still getting popped for, mm-hmm. for, for steroids or performing enhancing mm. drugs. Mm-hmm. Hater Blanco with the Pittsburgh Pirates and Ismail Loriano. Mm-hmm. They both were popped for a performance enhancing drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both played during, during the steroid era. Yep. We both endured that. Uh, we lived through it. We made it. Yep. Uh, what are some of your pet peeves about the steroid era from from the media's perspective? When we were in it, everything that you were hearing from the media. Yeah. I'm 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 neutral on the situation, right? I I just didn't care. I was so busy with my career, I didn't care what another man was doing, right? Did I beat some guys who were cheating? Yeah. Did I beat some guys who weren't cheating? Yeah. Did 
guys who were cheating beat other guys who were cheating and vice versa? Absolutely. But I, I did not care one way or the other. Right. Um, what I, what I did, what bothers me about the whole situation is I'm a bit, a lot of us, not a bit, I'm a lot of a smart ass. Right. So I I would say, Hey, take the steroids and set them in your batter's box. Whoa. whoa, whoa. You're what? (laughs) What? A lot, a lot, of, a lot, of a bit, a lot of a, not a bit, a lot of a smart ass, okay. right? Okay. Right. I'll say take the steroids and sit them in the box. Take the steroids and put them on the pitcher's mouth and see what they do. They don't do anything. They do nothing, right? Put them in a guy. Do, do they make them better? Yeah. Did they make some guys worse? Yeah. There was a <laughs> bunch of guys who did it that didn't get caught that it didn't do anything for, right? But they, they picked a couple guys, right, and say, oh, look what it did for him, and look what it did for him. Okay, but look what it did for 30, 40, 50 of these other guys who took it and didn't get caught. It didn't do anything for them, right? Either you can play or you can't. But the thing is, in uh, July, in August, in September, in October, you're paying to see a guy perform at his peak performance, right? To me, steroids was big at helping guys stay on the field, helping guys stay fresh, right? So you boo guys when they suck and you cheer for guys when they're good. Now you got guys who are fresh for six months out of the year. Steroids wasn't my issue. Amphetamines were, and they weren't even an issue, but they they were the biggest... (laughs) (laughs) they, They were the biggest thing in the game than steroids, right? Yeah, guys popping greenies all the time long time for a long time right yeah some of your favorite guys some of your least favorite but they were like when they took greenies out then that's when things started to slide it wasn't steroids to me it was amphetamines so i I don't i'm not i mean rules are rules and if you break them you get 80 game suspensions and then you get a whole 162 game suspension and then you get pop two or three whatever but like I, i for me, I'm like, whatever. If you want to do it, do it. If you don't, that's on you. I I don't care. So I'm I'm probably about 80% exactly like you, Jack. I didn't, I would, like you said, I was so worried about my career and yeah. how I can get better the right way. Right. And I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't pay attention to it. I really didn't. But I mm-hmm. think about how the media portrayed guys like us. Right didn't do it right they they portrayed us as the guys who were standing outside the bathroom stall right while the guy was shooting up in the stall and we were the lookout right the way they portrayed us to see to be that's the way i took it when we were in it and that was so far from the truth of course the steroid thing was just like anybody else any other situation when you're doing wrong if you got a group of guys that do drugs they're gonna hang around the guys who do well steroid is a drug right but if you got a a group of guys that gamble, they're going to hang around with the guys that gamble. Yep. You know, you got the group of guys that are womanizers. They're going to hang out with the other guys that are womanizers. There you go. It's the same with the steroids. The steroid guys, they wouldn't walk around this clubhouse with a syringe stuck in their butt. Right. They wouldn't walk around rubbing the magic cream on their arm. Yeah, or saying, hey, shoot me up. Oh, yeah. They were doing it, you know, secretly. Right. And rightfully so. You do stuff secretly because you don't want to get caught and you know it's wrong. Right. But the media made it seem like guys like myself and you like we knew were like what was going on. 
go ahead and shoot up. I'll watch the door to make sure nobody right. comes in and catch you. Right. It wasn't like that. No. Like my, my naive behind yeah. was thinking, hey, man, this guy worked hard in the offseason and he came back in good shape. You understand what right. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, up until guys, you know, that whole Mitchell Report thing came out and all that, up until that point, I was like, okay. He went home and did what he had to do. But, you know. I, and they definitely can make a movie about all the guys who did steroids and it didn't help. Right. Guys who did steroids and it ruined their careers. Right. Because the Metro Report was like hundreds of, of uh, players long. It wasn't just a handful. It was hundreds of players long. Yeah, I got an issue with the Mitchell Report also just because. I, I got it. It was supposed to be anonymous and, and they got names attached to it. Attached to it, and we supposed to believe them what names that they they released the names that they wanted to release. I'm not buying it. You already lied to me about the it being anonymous, and then all of a sudden these names start popping up. Yep. Hell, I'm from the hood. I got I got better sense than that. I'm not going to trust you twice. Hell no, that. Mm-mm. But yeah, man, these guys. I mean, hey, you risk you risk doing it, and then you got to pay the piper once you get caught. So. But it's, it's kind of like I think the last few years has been all Latin guys who've been caught, mostly, majority. If it's been some American guys, I hadn't really heard about it. But when I when I actually pay attention to that, usually Latin guys, and I think they're at a disadvantage because of, I'm guessing, their pharmacies, um, they don't have as many, you know, rules and regulations mm-hmm. as we ha- as we have over here. And and that's just a small case. That's small case scenario. And then you got guys who bluntly just right. tried to, you know, cheat the system. But I think they, I think Major League Baseball needs to do a better job at regulating what these guys can, what they can take back to the DR with them so they don't have to take some of the stuff that they're getting from their right. local pharmacies or wherever they're getting the stuff. Some has to give because it's only been, I've only seen a majority of the guys getting busted this day and age are young right. Dominican players. And we, Tatis, he got popped. I mean, like, we got some superstars in the game, and they're from the Dominican. They're getting popped. Yeah. We need to figure that out. We really do. We had a national championship game on um, on Monday night. Yes, sir. I won two bets. I bet my uh, father-in-law $5. I won that. And I bet uh, Pat Mahomes, he wanted a bottle of Jack Daniels Sinatra, and uh-huh. I wanted a bottle of E.H. Taylor. Okay. Barrel proof. Okay. So... And I think Michigan went out there and dominated. They did. They dominated. They did. They, they dominated. They did. They they have Penix on the on the move the whole night. And uh right. it, you had to think fast and he didn't make a lot of the right decisions no. at the, and I, the I, moment. I wanted to selfishly I wanted the Pac twelve to win because, you know, it's the last year of the Pac twelve because right now it's the Pac two. And uh <laughs> and and I wanted them I I'll tell you what, I, I I wanted Washington to win, but I was okay with Michigan winning as well because of the whole scandal and and all the stuff they were going through the whole year with Harbaugh get suspended for these couple of weeks and that couple of weeks and the sign stealing and then con- compare not really comparing them to the Astros, but it was really the same thing, right? It was really the same thing because like you did something you weren't supposed to do, but they weren't treated as as nearly as bad as people still treat the Astros. You know what I'm saying? So to to overcome all that and then win the national championship, uh, I, I was glad that they 
you know, I, I wasn't shooken up that they won the whole thing. I, the offense played, they started off great. Yeah. Then they got, then Washington started to figure it out. They made adjustments. They made adjustments. Then the last, I think the last half of the fourth quarter, they played a lot better, the offense, but you have to give, Michigan won this championship because of, of their course. defense. Of course. They made the old lefty very, very, very uncomfortable. He had the happiest feet he's had in college in the national championship game. Hopefully he takes something from that and he can learn. And when he gets to the next level, uh, it won't be as glaring of a of an issue for him. But he was, man, he missed some throws, but it all because of that pressure. Yeah, he missed some throws, man. But you got to give, again, uh, the problem that, USC and UCLA and Washington and, and Oregon and all these teams that are going to the Big Ten, the problem that they're going to have is just what happened in the national championship game. Like, you get worn down up front. You get worn down with the defensive line. You get worn down with the offensive line. And for four quarters, they're just coming at you, just coming, coming, coming. Skill position-wise, all these teams could match up with these teams in the Big Ten, right? Mm-hmm. But in the trenches is where the games are won, and that's where the game was won in the national championship. They were it was won in the trenches, and you can tell by the fourth quarter, Michigan was having their way with Washington, however they wanted to. So, and it it felt like the whole game that the lefty was going to make a a mistake because he threw some errant, he made some errant throws, and he finally made that one, and. Golly, it's just amazing like how many how many different circumstances could have been different that have changed that game. First quarter, when his wide receiver, they kind of got, you know, crossed up a little bit, but he still was able to make the throw. Probably had to throw it just a little earlier than he wanted to because of the pressure from Michigan. But those missed opportunities were crucial for Washington. They had some missed opportunities. But the running back got hurt when the first – First or second series, so that didn't bode well for them, but he gutted it out and he was able to go out there and continue to give them all he could. But it was just, man, it's just like the whole game is just, it just didn't seem like Michigan, I mean, Washington was ever going to just break off and do one of their, you know, make the game close like they they had, you know, in all their other victories. Yep. Well, Jock, is always a pleasure, man. Always hard. Whoa, about our boy, uh, my fellow Hoosier. From the great state of Indiana. Oh. Noah. Oh. Noah. <laughs> Mr. Noah. Oh. Kanega. He's a football player, basketball star. Yeah. At Lawrenceburg High School, right on the border of uh, Ohio and Indiana, close down towards Cincinnati. And you and I have a mutual friend. Yep, Kelsey Parker. All-American in all three sports coming out of Lawrence. 1993, first-round pick with the Twins. Yep, sandwich pick. And... And he was, he's quite the athlete and he's going to play at the next level, at the D1 level. And there are going to be some, it's going to be some, it's going to be a mess with the, with the, with the announcers, man. Somebody's bound to mess it up. Do you give them a pass or you allow them to make a couple of mistakes and then you better get it right? Which one? You can allow them to make a couple of mistakes, but uh, at some point you got to get it right because. <laughs> You can you can you can mix that one up, really. RG three had 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 a field day with that name until they until he realized what what and how it's pronounced. But you know it, that's going to be. I, I'm going to watch that very close. 
I'm gonna watch that very close. <laughs> I just, I just, I just feel sorry for the first person that pronounces it wrong. They're gonna be memes instantly before you get off the air. They're gonna be memes. And can you can, can, can you not to cut you off, but can you pronounce his last name for our subscribers and viewers and people out there and and podcast land? Can you pronounce his last name? for us so that they know how to pronounce his it. His name is Noah, and his parents is K-N-O-A-H. And his last name is Kanega, and you, it's K-U-H-N-A-Y-G-U-H, Kanega. Okay. Kanega. All right. Whatever your mind tells you, whatever your mind, your eyes tell you that you see, don't believe your eyes. Don't believe your eyes. Your eyes will get you in trouble this time. It's Kanega. Noah Kanega. I just hope his middle name doesn't start with a K. Then that's even worse. That's even worse. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> Please no. Oh. oh man. Jeez, that's gonna be rough on a on a couple of announcers early on, it, but it, hopefully by midway through his his first freshman year in college. We won't have to. We won't have to talk about his name again. I'm. I'm, I'm hoping not. There, there's a couple of announcers that got in hot water this past year for, for, for their pronunciation <laughs> of that word. So hopefully they don't make the same mistakes as those guys made. Our buddy over in San Francisco, they're visiting Kansas City. <laughs> no, Oakland. Oakland, yeah, Oakland, 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 Oakland. And they were talking about the Negro League Museum. <laughs> yeah. Poor fellow. <laughs> but I always think about being on air, man. Like you, I could say anything, like just misspeak, and I could be canceled for sure. You know, people get their 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 underwear and their pajamas in a wad about me saying Jesus on air. When they say it, you know, I always get a little. I get something in my ear. Hey, Latroy, can't say that. And this and that. I'm like. I said, why do people get to tell me how to talk to my Jesus? I don't get it. I don't get it. And I said, Jesus Christ, that's not a strike. They act like I said the MF word and, and, and followed it with Jesus Christ. Like, people are so... I get it. It's amazing when you want to pull the religion card. You know, it's, it, it, it blows my mind. They want to pull the religion card. I said, Jesus Christ. Everything you say offends somebody. No, that's true. This is true. First thing on Twitter, they hit me up. I, I love to hear you speak on television. I love the way you explain the game, but can you not leave, use the Lord's name in vain? You know what I do? I send him the middle finger. <laughs> send him the middle finger. Man, you don't tell me how to speak to my God or my Jesus. You don't. You don't get to tell me that. I don't tell you how to speak to your God. Uh-uh. Yeah. I don't do it. Yeah. But I'm talking shit right now. I got to work on that. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I don't do it that often. But when I do, I'm like, man, Jesus, that was a strike. It's just natural. It beats saying the F word, and that was a strike. I don't get you know it, bro. What? I got thick skin. Yeah, we got thick skin. We definitely, we definitely have thick skin. But, again, it's always a pleasure, Jock. All right, Hawking. You know, you and I get, get to, you know, shoot the shit. That's right. Before we get out of here, just know I'm, I'm, I'm over at Twins Fantasy Camp, and I got fined for $100. Because Bert Blylevin, who we'll have on the show here in the next few
few weeks. He, he, I was on the phone talking to my mom back home, and it was in between games, and he was like, oh, Jock Jones is on his freaking cell phone, and I know he's got this podcast with Latroy. And <laughs> so so I got to find 100 bucks, and he told me to tell you that you owe 50 because you're part of my podcast. So right, you, you want to get you want to get Bert the middle finger? <laughs> no, I'm not giving Bert the middle finger. I got way too much respect for the Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. But I'll tell you, I'll whisper a little something in his okay. ear when I see him in screen yeah. training. All right, but tell him I'm in the fifty. I'll right. zell you to fifty right now. All right, I'll tell him. <laughs> Bert, I said just be home by eleven. All right, I'll be home. Bert, be home right. by eleven. Next Chapter Podcasts.